and citizens <laughs> of Earth, welcome to the Accelerative Thrust Podcast. Bong. And my name is Dan Orr. Dan or what? <laughs> you know, uh, have you my, ever heard uh, that one? Grade, oh yeah, my fifth grade <laughs> teacher, uh, uh, Mrs. Fowler. Her husband, of course, <clears throat> Mr. Fowler. Oh. Didn't actually know their first, didn't, I think his name actually might've been Dan Fowler actually. Hmm. Um, and, uh, he used to always, he would come into class cause he was the, um, did you know Mr. Fowler at the Muscatine high school, Eric? I don't think so. Oh wait, what did he do? Uh, he, I think industrial he taught like arts. ag. Yep. yep. Oh yeah. yeah I think I do arts. remember him maybe. I, th- I think he taught like, um, yeah, like ag and FAA and stuff like oh, that. Oh, right, right, right. Or not FAA, uh. FFA, yeah. <laughs> Future Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, but um, anyway. That was the whole high school, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, he used to visit class, and I remember everybody used to love it when he would visit class because then we would just be able to goof off because mm-hmm. he was just like a jokester. Mm. And I remember um, he uh, would ask me like what my name was, and I'd say, Dan. And then he'd say, and then he'd say, what's your last name? And I'd say, or, and then he's like, or what? Hmm. But then she, she actually told me to get back at him. Oh. And I asked him, what's your name? And he's like, Mr. Fowler. And I was like, Fowler than what? Oh, you got him. Did he cry? (laughs) I don't remember if he cried. I think he might've just jumped out the window or something. (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I think he just just couldn't handle it. suicide. Instant suicide. Yeah. I love it. Well, we were on the bottom floor, <laughs> oh. so it didn't really harm him that much. He was he just, just out. I get it. Mm. He just, I don't think he could handle like, uh, no, but actually I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be talking like this because uh, he did recently pass away, oh. um, hmm. like for real. And uh, he was, he was a, he was a really good guy. I remember like uh, fifth grade was a kind of a good year for me. And then. Hmm. As soon as I went into middle school, we talked about this. Uh, everything just went downhill. Middle school sucks. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, but what's your name again, Eric? My name uh, is Eric Whitaker. Okay. And that's surprisingly, <laughs> no one ever called me Eric Shittaker, which if I would have been in my grade, I would have called me that so fast. Seriously, I would have ruined my, my life. I would have been like, what's up, Shittaker? And it would have been over. But... No one called me that. They didn't. I'm good at, I'm good at making fun of people, um, and you, uh, with their names, especially. I'm like a really good bully. Um, I just don't like doing it. So right. Yeah, but I could have been, I could have been a contender, like best bully. I think probably. So you don't get any satisfaction out of making people like feel bad. No, I mean I tease people. I tease my friends and and stuff like that. But they usually know me well enough that they also think it's funny. But I never just make fun of people, no. Right. You're not actually, like, out to harm anybody. <laughs> no, not with words, anyway. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I just walk physically, around punching people, though. <laughs> physically, it's a different thing. Yeah. Which reminds me, speaking of punching people, I'm so glad you brought that that up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because there was, there was a very, very important part of Twin Peaks The Return we did not discuss. Oh, God. Not that green Hulk hand. <laughs> the British guy? Yeah, I'm not into it. <laughs> so you didn't like the fact that he they just he just added some random 
dude who had like a power punch for some reason. No, I did and not then, like it. <laughs> and then did not explain at all. And like, that was why the thing that, how. that could kill Bob. Come on, oh, man. Yeah, like yeah, we yeah. watched this for like, <laughs> I don't even know how long, 50 plus hours. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, if they would have just had one of those Hulk gloves, they could have stopped killer Bob, you know, back in season one or something. I don't. So uh, like, you don't think <clears throat> that that was an acceptable an acceptable way to kill Bob. Nope. That's like Josie turning into a wooden knob. I will never <laughs> think it's cool. And I've had people say, actually, it is pretty cool, but it's not actually. <laughs> so <laughs> I just, I just thought it was hilarious. Just like it's dumb and fu- it's, it's, it's funny, I guess, but it's one of those things that is just another example of how David Lynch just was just fucking around. I think with some of this shit, yeah, but some of the second. fucking rounds good, like the little oh, yeah. um, conga dance they do in the in the office with Dougie. Oh yeah, and the music <laughs> is so outrageously dumb. I love that. That's oh yeah, you're talking about the two Jim Belushi and uh, <laughs> yeah. the other guy uh, right. who were like who were like these really like sketchy casino owners. Right. Yeah, and they, okay. they do yeah. like a and conga line, and it's it's awesome. I like that kind of goofy stuff, but. This yeah, that, this Hulk hand that, thing is it was just it was too much. It was the one part of the return that I just really I couldn't I couldn't even deal with it. Like I just pretend it didn't happen. Basically, I'm in denial. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what the conga line reminded me of? What's that? Weekend at Bernie's too. <laughs> Don't get me started on Weekend at Bernie's too again. Oh. Whew. Every but time we talk ever, about it, I'm just, I, it's, I, it's playing in my mind and it's one of the funnest, it's like my, my, my good place, my comfy, safe place when I go to in my brain, you know, it's like, you know, it's like a Zen thing for me to think about dead Bernie and voodoo drums and his walk. And I don't, I can't frown through the thought, you know, so I, I also like the fact that like apparently like I I you know it's like the timeline from Weekend at Bernie's to Weekend at Bernie's Two. It's like he's been dead this whole time and he's still like in the morgue. And he's still like I think I think someone has sex with him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that happens in the first one. Oh, that does, happens in the first one. Does it happen in the Some, second one too? I don't. I don't recall. I'm I'm not as familiar with the second one as I am the first one, but the first one is when that his like one of his girlfriends like shows up and Andrew McCarthy and I can't, and I can't remember the other the other actor's name. Silverman. Uh, yeah, Isn't something it? Silverman. Yeah. Saving Silverman maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, but, that's uh, Saving Private Ryan anyway. is his name. <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. Uh but um Anyway, I, they're like just sitting there and all of a sudden this like really angry chick just walks in and mm. is just like, where the fuck's Bernie? He's been cheating on me or something like that. And she and he's like, they're like, he's upstairs, but it probably wouldn't be a good idea for you to go up there. And she grabs a knife and she's like, get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> and then she like goes up there and then she comes down and she's smoking a cigarette and she's oh. all like. That was the best time I'd ever oh, had. Wow. It's like ne- necromantic. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just it's just <laughs> another like example of how that movie is just. Yeah, I think he genius. does have sex in part two as well on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I they don't the show it. I think it's implied. <laughs> if I remember right, the Silverman guy uh, said, like, the guy gets laid more dead than I do alive. <laughs> That's the eighties <laughs> for you. Right oh yeah, the eighties was like so like weird. <laughs> I'm so glad I was a child in the eighties because I don't think I could have experienced gloriousness, such gloriousness. <laughs> like like if I was a child in the nineties, I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one. Hard to know. I was glad to be a teenager in the 90s. <clears throat> yeah, I was too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think it's a perfect fit for me. 80s, <laughs> child, 90s, uh, teenager, and then 2000s to now um, adult. Yeah. Worked out well for you to be alive. It really did. <laughs> it was fantastic. No jumping out windows or anything like that or... <laughs> You know, but I yeah. would like to I would like to get one of those gloves, though. That would be fantastic. I mean, I think it literally was a, one of the Hulk gloves that you can buy that makes a glass smashing sound when you punch something. It's what it looked like to me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Anyway, you were going to say something. And I think I was like, I uh, about interrupted. <laughs> I don't know. Like you said, um, and then I, I was just like I then I went on about Weekend at Bernie's and how it was cinematic genius. Maybe I made you forget what you were going to say. Or maybe maybe I just heard heard shit. I don't know. Um, I I say um a lot, but also you didn't have to make me forget. I forget everything almost instantly. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of forgetting. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what I just remembered? Hmm, what's that? This is the 25th episode nice. of the Accelerative Thrust. Wow. Yeah. I mean, technically... This is like the 22nd or 23rd, depending on how you want to count the second episode, the interview one that I did that. Mm -hmm. So this is like, I would say this is like the 23rd episode with you. Eric. Oh, all right. Well, I, I would say, I think the other ones count though. This is episode 25 for sure. Well, no, no, this is episode 25, but I was just, I was just talking as far as like, because the first three was just me yeah. hosting. Mm -hmm. And so, and yeah, I count those, but I don't count them as much. <laughs> I, I don't think they were as, I don't think they were as, I mean, if you guys want to go back and listen to them, be my guest, I'm going to keep them up. Uh, well, actually, I'm not even going to say that because hmm. actually all three of them had, they were really, really good conversations. Mm -hmm. So I'm not even going to say that. I take that back. Uh, Alex yeah. from Closet Witch, Eric and Carl Bush, all three of them were great conversations. Nice. I they didn't sound as good though. Mm. So I mean, you know, because I wasn't using uh, the mic that I am now and uh, whatnot. Yeah. So that is for those of you who are maybe anal about audio stuff. Just a fair warning: they're very rough sounding compared to. These later yeah. episodes. And if you really but, like anal audio, there is a Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I can't even say it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Uh, anyway, uh, it's just, I, uh, I, I, I got nothing else to say after that. I mean, I just really like. There's a Scott Walker record with some anal audio on it. If you want to check it out, it's called Bish Bosh. And uh, Bish Bosh. Yeah. Huh. I love Scott I like Walker, that. but uh, sampling farts. I don't know. It might be one step beyond. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's a very interesting choice. That's all I got to say. All um, seriousness, though, check out Tilt and The Drift. They are actually amazing records. But um, if you check out Bish Bosh, get ready for some some gas. <clears throat> cool, cool. <laughs> Um, hey, yeah, these speaking. do sound better. Oh, wait. what were you going to oh, say? <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say, speaking of records. Oh, good segue. Yeah, <laughs> let's go with that. Okay, so speaking of records. Yeah. We got some stuff to review. We got some again. stuff to review. Yeah, mm. we're going to review um, at the end of the episode. Um, we're going to review uh, a split Released by Will Yeager and Gabby Van Eck of Iowa City. So make sure you listen to that. But we're going to do some other reviews first. So, Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I'm going to I'm gonna drink Blackberry Hint Water. Hint? You, hint Water? Yeah, have you ever, you ever had this before, Eric? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> For some reason, I was thinking haint. Like a, like haint? a ghost in the south. You know, a hate, oh. a hate. I was like, what the fuck's hate, hate water, man? Yeah. <laughs> Don't drink that hate water. Uh, anyway. You might want to, you might not want to put that in your body. Um, that's, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hint oh, water. I, it's, yeah. I like I've it. Never, I, li- yeah. I like hint water. I've seen it. I don't think I've had it. You've never had it. No. I, I like the blackberry. Mm, I like blackberry. I'm drinking. We should just tell people what we're drinking every episode. Yeah. Right yeah, now I'm that. drinking the, uh, Bella Vi, the Aldi sparkling water, and mm-hmm. it's um, original, plain. Just plain Bella Vi. But we did get some of that Waterloo blueberry sparkling water, which is to die for. It's amazing. Cool. You should I'll try. have to check it out. It's outrageous. Now, I, I love all these like flavored sparkling mm-hmm. waters. Mm-hmm. And they're, mm. they're good stuff. I still haven't gotten to the point where I can drink plain mm. on its own. I have to add a little something to it, like like sriracha. What I <laughs> now nah, maple syrup. Oh um, god! But uh, I don't know. Like, I try. Uh, <laughs> um, now I like I like to put a little bit of um, like if I'm just doing like because all these actually has like kick ass spark. That brand is awesome. <clears throat> yeah, the Bella V mm-hmm. uh, or Bella Vi or whatever it's called. But Aldi uh, water. That's what I call it. Yeah, Aldi water. There we go. <laughs> uh, but if you add, Aldi's also sells this, like, just like natural pineapple juice mm. that is nothing but pineapple juice, and I like to add a little bit of that to it. Oh yeah, I bet that's good. And it's del- it's delicious. Wow. Um, this episode's brought to you by Aldi sparkling water. Hmm. <sighs> refreshing. Mm. Man, All right. I love the taste. <laughs> I love the non-taste of mine. Just like pure <laughs> bubbles. So, like, what do you like about it? I mean, since there is no taste, do you just like the, do you like the carbonation yeah, essence I'm of it? I'm addicted to uh, carbonation. <laughs> I'm addicted gotcha. to bubbles. Like, I actually <laughs> went to the doctor today about it. 
and see if they could prescribe me something to <laughs> wean off of the bubbles. So you're going to like Bubbles Anonymous? Yeah, I'm into them. Okay. I can't even sleep if I haven't had my bubbles. Do you like blowing bubbles too? <laughs> That's a little personal, isn't it? Well, I don't know. Oh, I, I see what you mean. Blowing bubbles. Um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> I thought you meant Michael Jackson's monkey. <laughs> did he really have a monkey named Bubbles, or are you just making? No, that he really did. <laughs> Is that common knowledge? <clears throat> I I get I don't know <laughs> because if honestly like if that's common knowledge I feel kind of stupid not knowing it <laughs> like that's something that every Michael Jackson fan should know like seriously yeah well yeah he was a chimpanzee he wore the same outfits as Michael Jackson I'm sure he had a wonderful life and his story ended um, really well I'm sure I would think so yeah. I mean. I'm sure Michael Jackson took care of those animals at Neverland Ranch. Maybe. <laughs> Fed them and watered them the ghost water. With some haint water. Hey, haint go water. get that monkey haint water. <laughs> Playing thriller yeah. in the you background. You ever had a possessed monkey? God damn. <laughs> Quit fucking around. Neverland. <laughs> Neverland Ranch. Neverland. Where the haint, That's where so the haint monkeys live. Neverland Ranch. That really sounds like a salad dressing to me. Neverland Ranch. Mmm, mm, it does sound kind of good. It does yeah? I'd like to put some of that on my salad. Put some of that in my sparkling water. <laughs> ranch. All right. Ranch and sparkling water, man. All right. Let's get to so, the records. Um, we're we're still reviewing God. records on this thing, right? All right. Mm. Yes. So uh, I'm gonna go first this time, and. Uh, I'm trying to decide which one I want to go with. Uh, let's go with Told Slant. Uh, Told Slant. I don't know a lot about these people. Um, yeah, Point the Flashlight and Walk is the name of the album. This was suggested to me by my terrible anti-friend Chuck Moore. <laughs> and Hi, Chuck. Yeah, he... He there's a lot wrong with Chuck, like, <laughs> but sometimes he has good taste in music, and I think this is this is one of the things the things he's told me about that I really liked. Um, the main person in the band is named Felix Walworth, um, and yeah, so I would say that this music. I'm sure there are hundreds of things that sound like this. I just don't know them, <clears throat> so. Uh, these are like really small songs, if that makes any sense. They're they're really pretty. They're sad. I mean, pretty overwhelmingly sad, I would say, at points. Um, they're quiet songs, but they also somehow come across as like really epic. There's a lot of instrumentation that supports that sort of epicness. A lot of big drums, a lot of big instruments. Um but also a lot of smaller things. There's a lot of um, harpy, harpish sounds, a lot of synth, banjo. Um, the arrangements and instrumentation are <clears throat> really cool. I would say that if you like things like Bright Eyes, um, this probably falls somewhere in that realm. Um, 
vocally, I really like the sound of the vocals. Um, I would say that the the person singing, they have a, um, they definitely have sort of uh, extremes to their vocals. Like if it were a scale, the two ends, I would say on one end would be like Orville Peck. And on the other end would be like Connor Oberst from Bright Eyes. But then this voice that's kind of in between those two, to me, it re- really reminded me of Brian Ferry from Roxy Music, which he has one of my favorite voices in all of rock or pop music. So I thought that was really nice. Um, yeah, I, I don't know exactly how much I can say about it because it's just really well done. It almost has like this epic feel to it that is sort of modern. Um I think like uh, like Edward Sharp, um, stuff like that um, kind of has a similar sound to it. So if you like that sort of almost freak folk light with a lot of epic production, um, you might really like things. You might really like this, too. So um, the shins comes to mind. Um, maybe little things like that, but quieter. Um yeah, uh, I feel like I'm rambling. It's just uh, really good. Told slant, point the flashlight and walk. Um, yeah, if you like all the things I mentioned, you should check it out. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I um, I really enjoyed it. It um, pretty much everything you said is uh, you know, pretty uh, right on the money as far as how I kind of felt about it as well. Um, as far as the uh, vocals go. Another person that he really reminded me of was Bonnie Prince Billy or Will Oldham. Hmm. Um, I, so I guess that it's basically kind of like a solo project, sort of like bright eyes maybe, or maybe it's, I'm not sure if it's a group of people, but I guess the main songwriter is this guy named Felix Walworth um, from Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't know why I just, I, when I was listening to this record, it just, I kind of had this like urge to just kind of research who this, who this was. Mm. Cause I didn't know if it was a band or if it was, it was a solo project because you know, with this kind of music, it's kind of hard to tell. Cause a lot of times that's exactly, you know, it, it's, it's either a guy who's doing like a rotating cast of musicians, like each album, or it's like actually a band. And so I didn't know if I still don't really know um, Mm -hmm. if told slant is just sort of like a solo moniker. And I kind of like that. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. It's gorgeous production. It's interesting. You mentioned Chuck, Mm. the anti friend, because when I was listening to this, I wouldn't be surprised if he recommended it to me too. And Mm -hmm. I just forgot. But when I was listening to this, I thought this is stuff that Chuck would just love. Yeah. Like he's the first person who, this reminded me of because this is just the kind of stuff that he for those of you who don't know chuck or who we're talking about who are lucky enough to not know chuck you (laughs) you know that this is the kind of stuff that he likes Mm -hmm. um yeah definitely like bright eyes shins uh the first track had a little bit of a magnetic fields Mm -hmm. feel to it a little bit maybe a little bit of built a spill and modest Mm -hmm. mouse going on you know mountain goats yeah i mean yeah, if you like indie yeah. singer songwritery stuff, this is this is your cup of tea right here. Yep. Um, great production. Yeah, a bunch of instruments and 
just some, you know, really heartfelt, sad songs. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's not all super depressing Mm -hmm. either. I think some of it's hopeful, but I mean, it's like really, yeah, really well done. Um, I enjoyed it for sure. Um, so, uh, let me see. I think the first one I'm going to talk about is this album called, uh, play what they want by man forever. Uh, for those of you who don't know who man forever is, it is the solo project from the drummer of Oneida. His name is John Colpitz. Uh, but he's also known as kid millions, which I've always thought is one of the best names ever. Um, and for those of you who don't know Oneida, they're kind of like a cross between like if the destructive element of something like the Melvins crossed with like Krautrock and maybe like uh, a lot of psychedelic kind of stuff going on. But then some of their albums are not really that either. Uh, it just depends on which one you get. Um, but anyway, this... This record is just a mind blower to me. Um, There's five songs on it. And um, I think three of them are somewhere between nine to 10 minutes long. And then the other two are kind of a, uh, just sort of a a regular length, uh, uh, a four minute, three minute song or whatever. Um, Yola Tango is uh, a guest on the uh, first track, which has some of the best vocals. I mean, I, I absolutely love the vocal arrangement on that track. And it's just over this like weird kind of broken instrumentation. And then after the vocal part gets done, um, it starts to really drift off into like almost something completely different. Like, I really can't even begin to explain it. Um, uh, it definitely has elements of Oneida and like sort of like Krautrock, but I feel like this this project is a totally different thing. Uh, and again, I, I just I I I'm struggling to even explain exactly what it is. Like, there's sort of like elements of like psychedelic and and punk, but then it's almost through this filter of like. I don't even know, like chamber music or classical elements, jazz, maybe Lori, Lori Anderson is on it. Um, she does like a spoken word piece over like this. I don't know, like deconstructed lounge music or something, but there's also like parts of it that are almost like almost poppy. Uh, and it's, I don't know. And it, and it's, own sort of way um it's very rhythmic um rhythmically it's just a really driven record there's a lot of great percussion on it um and yeah i mean that's kind of exactly it doesn't surprise me because it's kind of exactly how he plays drums in oneida Mm -hmm. and for those of you who have not experienced oneida i would also recommend you check them out Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, because they're insane and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, what did you think, Eric? Yeah, I, I loved this. Um, 
I listened to it probably three times, and I was blown away. Uh, every time I listened to it, I was more blown away. So I really liked it. And I, so last week I gave a little behind the scenes about how my process works on the albums I pick. And actually on your records, I usually don't do any research because I just want to experience it and then kind of know what you know about it, you know? Sure. But with this one, like I had to find out what was going on and I do take notes for the show. And over when I first listened to it, one of my notes was song structure reminds me of Oneida and vocally too. So it's, if you like Oneida, I think you're going to like this, even though I, I won't say that it sounds like Oneida. It just like the way the songs work and the vocals reminded me of Oneida. So that's a, a good thing when someone does something that, and they're part of a, more well-known band you wouldn't want it to sound like that band like show us what you got you know like from rick and morty show right. us what you got um, right <laughs> but so that is there but yeah i i absolutely loved it it's one of the most rhythmic records i've heard in a long time it reminded me of like in the length of the songs and the scope and the playing it reminded me a lot of fela kuti but in a more uh more contemporary sense it really reminded me of the liars uh drums not dead record um a lot and oh that's a great and i think the reason is is because of the drums like i looked into this and it's um the guy from oneida and five other drummers so you get a lot of really cool polyrhythms and offset sort of rhythms and uh, a lot of times when people do what you might consider world music or something, they usually add in contemporary elements that make it super lame, you know? And that's not what happens here. Like, I think that these rhythms are <clears throat> Polynesian. They are, you know, like it reminded me of the Burundi uh, beat that we talked about when we talked about Kings of the Wild Frontier by Adamant. Um, all sorts of things happening like that, but they're committed to it and it's awesome and they keep it going and some of the rhythms are so offset and strange that like in one song there's a clapping part that it seems not to go at all but then when you find it and hear the groove it's really cool um it goes a lot of different places musically like i think there's a lot of synths there's a lot of other things happening especially on the laurie anderson song a lot of built up vocals and things like that which you would expect but the Rhythm just keeps it right where you want it. Um, it reminded me a lot of Public Image Limited um, as far as like the Martin Atkins era of drumming. Like it's just such heavy hitting drumming. It also reminded me a lot of Brian Eno, uh, David Byrne, that uh, My Life in the Butch of Ghost Records uh, record. It really reminded me of that too. Um, yeah, I I just really loved it. Vocally, it it sounded like the birds half the time like heavy intricate tight harmonies coming in and out um yeah i just i i really enjoyed it and i would suggest that just about anyone who likes interesting good music that's also accessible enough to enjoy uh they would really like this so yeah yeah absolutely it yeah it blew my mind for sure yeah um Glad you enjoyed that one. Yeah, it was great. Really cool. 
All right. Yeah. So my second pick is a group called Drags. Uh, The record is just called Drags. I think you have to say it like that. Drags. Actually, you probably (laughs) say it like Drags. No, I don't know how an Australian would say it. Anyway, they're from Australia. (laughs) And it's like lo-fi garage psych. Like just in the pocket lo-fi psych. It just is. If you like the OCs, Ty Seagal, Jay Retard, stuff like that, then this you're going to like this. Um, they also have, um, yeah, it's very noisy, uh, very guitar rock, garage rock oriented. But there's also a lot of cool organs and synthesizers um, in addition to the more standard instruments. Um, and that's kind of what drew me to them, like, because I don't. I do like the OCs and Tysigal and that stuff, um, but I don't spend a lot of time listening to it. It's like I a little goes a long way with me, I should say. You know, like three or four songs, and I'm like, okay, cool, I get it. Um, but yeah, so this is like that super noisy, uh, endless delay and reverb, just overwhelming waves of delay and reverb. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. It also, because of the synths and organs, reminded me a bit of like Brainiac. Um, it also reminded me a little bit of some older things, too, that kind of predate the lo-fi garage stuff, like um, the Butthole Surfers. And also, I think, a criminally underrated group, uh, Chainsy, Daisy Chainsaw, um, reminded me a lot of that like especially the bass tones and the vocal delays and reverbs um but yeah i would suggest listening to it very loud i would suggest listening to it in stereo because they do a lot of panning with the reverbs and delays that will probably make you sick to your stomach which is always a good goal with music and yeah i think it's pretty good and i i would say keep your eye on the australian lo-fi scene because it's um it's it's pretty happening, apparently. So yeah, what'd you think, Dan? Yeah, this this is great stuff. Uh, what this really reminded me of too, um, everything that you said, Ty Siegel, uh, Jay Retard, uh, particularly uh, Lost Sounds, hmm. um, and then um, uh, it also reminded me a lot of that of the band Human Eye. Oh sure, um, like it really had that. Uh, to me, it really sounded a lot like that. Like maybe a even dirtier, like heavily reverbed version of that. Mm-hmm. Also, some of the riffs reminded me a little bit of like early Chrome. Oh, mm-hmm. like stuff like that too. And yeah, Butthole Surfers. I didn't even think of that, but yeah, absolutely. Like the bass tone and everything like mm-hmm. that. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just really great well done lo-fi garage punk the vocals are just drenched in reverb to the point where it doesn't even sound human yeah like it sounds like an alien um you know uh from a movie or something it's it gets really insane with that Mm -hmm. um two songs that really stood out to me uh the song warlord's gift Mm -hmm. to me that song had one of the heaviest riffs i've ever heard it was like if that was like slowed down, it would be like a sludge masterpiece. <laughs> but 
but even at its like you know where it's at Mm -hmm. at the tempo it's at it's like a lo-fi garage master it's like like yeah in my opinion you just couldn't go wrong with that riff that riff is so tight um and then also uh i really like the spacey sounds on it Mm -hmm. um and then also the song tube Hmm. which had this like really just almost you almost had to like listen for it you had to dig for this like underlying synthesizer right. yeah but once you like like i would recommend listening to this on headphones mm-hmm. too because you'll hear a lot of stuff in the mix i think mm-hmm. that you just you wouldn't find on like a regular speaker system right or maybe you would I, you know I, I don't really know but like for me like i had to like kind of listen to this a couple mm-hmm. of times and then i was like oh wait there's like a synthesizer right. in this part and sometimes I can't tell if it's a synthesizer or if it's like a guitar that's plugged into some crazy mm-hmm. pedal. There's definitely it's, an organ, um, especially in Gus Gets a Gun, the first song. Big organ sound in that. Um, but yeah. yeah, the synths, I don't know. You're right. They could just be like a modulated guitar. I I have no idea. But um, it's hard to dig through the sound to, to even know what you're hearing at times. That the bass is like the one thing that really comes through for me. It's just like, it's just a real heavy fuzzed out bass, you know? So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, um, it, uh, we move on to my second pick, which is, uh, from at this point, I almost feel like he doesn't even really need an introduction, (laughs) but, Obviously, you guys aren't going to know what the pick is if I don't say it, (laughs) but um, LP, um, and this is his second album uh, that came out on his uh, label, Definitive Jux, now defunct label called I'll Sleep When You're Dead, Um, came out in 2007, five years after his uh, official solo debut called Fantastic Damage. Now, for those of you, the reason why I say at this point doesn't need... Uh, any introduction is because most of you, a lot of you who are listening probably know LP from run the jewels, one half of the hip hop duo uh, with killer Mike. Uh, And he's also the producer on that, but LP wasn't always. So uh, I guess like uh, with run the jewels, that was kind of the project that really broke LP through as kind of like, I guess you could say a star, but I don't know. Maybe that's not the right word, but he's he's at least in the public eye a lot more these days than he was back then. LP started out in a rap group called Company Flow in the late 90s, and then he um, formed the label Definitive Jux, which put out several hip-hop artists. Uh, Aesop Rock, was uh, his early releases were on that label, but Mr. Lith, Murs, Cage... Um, and I feel like I'm forgetting. Some, oh, Cannibal Ox. Cannibal Ox is a very, uh, sort of classic, uh, the iron, uh, the iron galaxy is the song, the cold vein, mm-hmm. the cold vein. That's a very classic album from Cannibal Ox on that label, which I feel kind of defined the sound of definitive Jux, kind of, at least in that era. Um, so I'll sleep when you're dead. Um, it's his first album since Fantastic Damage, which came out in 2002. Now, 
I got to say that I just completely, for whatever reason, for many years until very recently, and I'm kind of ashamed to admit this, I kind of slept on this album. I always knew it existed, and I always loved Fantastic Damage, always liked Company Flow and Run the Jewels, and even his third album, Cancer for Cure. Um, but for some reason, this is the one thing in LP's discography that I just never really gave the time of day. And it wasn't anything that I wasn't interested. I just never got around to it for whatever reason. Um, where LP's uh, Fantastic Damage was very abrasive and kind of spacey, almost, I don't know, like like a lot of his earlier production is quite a bit different than what he does in run the jewels, but elements of that still exist in run the jewels because run the jewels is definitely a lot more accessible than what he was doing on these records. I feel, um, and, uh, I just, I can't believe how long it took me to get around to listening to this record because this is honestly, for me, it's a hip hop masterpiece. I mean, it's, it was basically like LP's early work was kind of like noise rap, but I almost feel like that's not really, that's almost implying that it's just noise there. It really isn't like there's a lot going on in the production on this record. Um, it does have a lot of abrasive elements, but it feels a, quite a bit more, um, I guess fully realized in fantastic damage to me, like a little more melodic, uh, a little smoother, but not any less punishing sounding. It still is very, very like, you know, it still very much has those abrasive elements for sure. But like, I don't know. There's a lot of crazy guest appearances. The opening track, which is like almost seven minutes long has Omar and Cedric from the Mars Volta. Um, and I don't think the beat stays the same at all for like more than 30 seconds. Like it just keeps changing throughout the song. It's like the craziest opening track I've ever heard on a hip hop record. Like it just, it, it starts off. I don't know. I can't even explain it. It's, it just sounds like it really sounds epic. Like, and I know that that's kind of a, generic way to describe it but it literally sounds like a score to like some crazy action movie or something and then just it the it sets the tone for the album from there there on and the entire record is just a bunch of crazy stuff like as far as the samples go and then LP's lyrics I mean his his rapping is just insane on here uh so many good tracks I mean, in my opinion, this is probably, this might be like me personally, the best production I've heard on a hip hop record. Mm. I mean, I, I love it. I think, I think it's some of the best beats I've ever heard. Some of the most insane stuff I've ever heard at times. It reminds me of like bomb squads production on public enemy records, mm. uh, a little bit, but it's that's only really a little bit. It's, it's got a lot of crazy synths, a lot of electronics, sometimes scattered drums, but then also like 
it's also very calculated at the same. It's like controlled chaos. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the best way to describe it. Trent Reznor guests on the song Fly Anthology mm. and does this amazing singing hook that, again, I've never really heard it done in that mm. way on on a hip hop song. Uh, Chan Marshall, Cat Power is on the last track. Poisonville Kids, No Wins. Aesop Rock is on it. Cage is on it. Um, and this was really kind of at a time when, like I mentioned earlier that the Def Jux label is now defunct. This kind of came out at the time where I think it was on the fence of, is, is this Def Jux thing really going to hold up much longer? Like it kind of felt like, you know, Def Jux wasn't putting out as much material at this point. And that could have a lot to do with why I, um, didn't look into it i might have there might it might have been a period of time where i just kind of moved on and because i i when def jux came out in the early 2000s i was following that label Mm -hmm. it was like everything that came out on def jux for a good two or three years i was buying even if i never heard it because this was you know pre i mean we had napster but you know this was like pre spotify so I would just, if it had the definitive Jux label, I trusted Mm -hmm. it, you know, one of those things. But yeah, I, at the very least, I just think that this record is truly unlike anything else, at least in rap. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I don't, I don't think anybody's really done a rap record like it before or since. And that includes, not to, you know, compare his current work to this, but I mean, that includes LP himself on, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Not that Run the Jewels is bad or because Run the Jewels is amazing mm-hmm. and Cancer for Cure was amazing. And but I mean, I I think this might be LP's peak. It just it sounds like the work of a producer just exhausting himself mm-hmm. in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some of his rhymes are just on point here. Uh, one thing about Fantastic Damage that. I feel was kind of different than this was that a lot of, a lot of the production on fantastic damage was so dense and this, this has a lot of dense production on as well, but so dense that sometimes you couldn't really even hear like LPs rapping because he would rap so fast over these dense beats. I feel like he really opened, opened up that sort of, you know, I guess door on this record to where you actually heard like what he was, you heard the lyrics a lot, a lot mm. more and things were just a little smoother, but yet he still somehow retained that abrasiveness of fantastic damage anyway. So I'm really nerding out on <laughs> this. Sorry. I'm taking a long That's time, okay. but yeah, no, this to me, this is like, I mean, I just, I can't believe I'm pretty much, just discovering this record now. Uh, what did you think, Eric? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I'm glad that we already talked about Twin Peaks because I was uh, nervous that, you know, since this opens with the Twin Peaks sample, that again, we'd have to talk about Twin Peaks and how this oh, yeah, secretly yes. is actually a Twin Peaks podcast, but we hide behind all these record <laughs> reviews. But no, it all, Dude, I actually... Thanks for reminding yeah. me. I, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but thanks for reminding me. I totally forgot that this opened up with yeah, a piece yeah, from Firewalk with me. Um, yep. uh, I loved it. I, it. It is amazingly dense, heavy production. 
crazy sample combinations. Like at one point there's like a harp and a tuba and like sampled chipmunk vocals. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, but it's not, I don't know. Like you said that run the jewels was more accessible than this. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I think run the jewels is closer to kind of standard hip hop. And as far as its sounds go, but the way they're constructed, I think run the jewels is trying to be pretty abrasive and like catch you off guard a little bit and almost shocking. If that makes any sense with the production where as this isn't like that. And because of that, it comes off as a lot more expressive than run the jewels does to me. Um, it feels like it feels like you said everything you said about the production, but it also feels like someone really making an album and like really talking and not uh, peacocking or fronting or anything like that. You know, like the lyrics on this are not like I have all the money in the cars and all that stuff. Like it, it doesn't have to do with any of that. And I think that's cool. Not that run the jewels does, but you know what I mean? It's like, there's no sure peacocking here. And I think that's really cool. Um, it's the lyrics themselves are also extremely dense, fast. Um, I loved, loved, loved how certain lines were accentuated by a, another vocal being added. Um, another vocal pitch shifted, um, things like that. Certain lines he accentuated just with the production, which reminded me a lot of like the chopped and screwed stuff that I like, where you know that every second of the recording was thought about. They never just kind of let the tape run. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think that LP, and we talked about that with the um, Boris record too. I think every second is thought about and what can make this part cooler than the last part or more dynamic. And those are things that you don't come across in hip hop that often, like trying to find dynamics in the music. Um, My favorite, favorite part of this, though, was even though it is super dense, there is a lot of reverb. It's somewhat noisy. Um, It's soft around the edges. I don't find it aggressive on any level. Um, And I think the reason I feel that way, a lot of it has to do with all of the beats are super rooted in old school hip hop. Like, mm-hmm. especially in the beginning of the album, like there are just 808 beats with the cowbell. It's hilarious. Or like, um, yeah. like run DMC type samples with just the guitar. Like, yeah. You know, there's even a part where it's like, they do the nineties, jump, jump part. Like it's crazy. It's so rooted in sort of old school hip hop that like you never feel like you're out there without a net. Like, you know where you are, even if it gets wild, like the, the beats and the production on that level, it's like, it has this, um, really tangible hip hop core that you can always grab onto. And I think for me, that made it really enjoyable. And like I said, sort of without, spiky edges there was nothing that turned me off it was just really enjoyable um and yeah i i listened to this one a couple times as well and my favorite lyric though has to be like 
I was born yesterday, sir, but I stayed up all night. Like, that's genius. And and it just yeah, never yeah. stops. It's like all the, you know, so much of, of the lyrics are just like like that, where you're like, dang, that's so smart. <laughs> so it just comes, you, you out of the whole thing, you get a really well-produced, super listenable, uh, I'm trying, inventive and fun listen. Um, and also like you could really chill out to it too, because it goes all over and it is somewhat, um, I don't want to say psychedelic, but it definitely is atmospheric. So yeah, I think, I think just about anyone who likes hip hop would think this was pretty amazing. So. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the, uh, kind of old school elements because that was really what definitive juxta was about. Mm. It was about basically like i feel even though it was a very forward thinking hip-hop label and they were doing things that nobody else was doing at this time Mm -hmm. uh where they would pay like kind of homage to like a lot of those like you said old school hip-hop samples Mm -hmm. and then um but then like they were making beats that just sounded like they were from the future Mm -hmm. or something like Particularly LP, he was the main, obviously, producer of a lot of this stuff. But you mentioned the uh, lyrics. There's there's a line that really stuck out to me um, that uh, uh, it was on the song uh, EMG or Everything Must Go, mm-hmm. where it really kind of reminded me of what you were saying about kind of like being rooted in the old school hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, the surface that gave birth to the style is in Y. The jihad recipient sky is to fly. The roof of the wit- uh, witnesses spot was BK, a cloud of asbestos. I guess it's D-Day. Hmm. And then he's like bumping BDP through a Raheem kit with a double D Duracell Destiny Mega Mix. <laughs> like just the way, I mean, the way his his lyrics flow off of his tongue on this record just blows yeah. my mind. Um, yeah, I I loved it. I um I definitely agree with you though that even though like like it has elements of you know sort of abrasiveness kind of it there it definitely is like very like smooth mm-hmm. kind of around the edges it definitely is like kind of you know it has it does have an accessible element mm-hmm. to it for sure I I would definitely say and I think every time LP produces something it just, it blows my mind because he just, he keeps getting better, like with age, Mm -hmm. you know, even though this is probably, like I said, this, this could be my favorite hip hop album. Like, and it's, it takes a lot of, for me to say that, uh, it definitely, there's a lot of competition though, because there's quite a few other classics that I would put up there that, but this is definitely already like probably in my top 10 and a lot of it is just on the production alone. Wow. <clears throat> I just, mm-hmm. I love the production. On, oh yeah. On me this. too. It was it's great. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, all right. So now we move on. I'll let you do the sure. honors with the uh, local, the local okay. thing. Sounds good. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about, uh, Will Yeager and Gabby Vanek, the release is called Split, and I assume that's because it's a split. 
Um, and so that makes perfect sense. So um, how I know these folks is I had a job at a music store and I don't have that job anymore. I won't really go into it. Um, it was a fine place, um, but no one ever leaves a perfect job, you know, so we'll just leave it at that. But one thing that I took from it was I met a lot of really, really cool people that otherwise me and sort of like the DIY sort of punk scene would not have met these people, these musicians. And it's a it's a really big deal to be able to talk to people um, who have similar ideas but are coming from a completely different place. And so I think that's really cool. I think it's a cool element of Iowa City um, is that these worlds collide, you know. Um, and so you do have students from the university, music students, playing the same shows as noise punks uh, and, and playing together. And like I said, coming from a d completely different um, background and maybe different motivations. I don't really know. But um, a couple of the people I met were uh, Justin Comer, who's a saxophonist. He is really good. He plays in a band with Will Yeager called Wombat. Um, he also does a couple podcasts, I Hear, I See, and Rock Hard Caucus, which is a political um, podcast. Anyway, um, through Justin, I sort of met Will and... I know Will a little bit, not super close, but also working at West Music was Gabby Vanek. Um, Will is a bass player, a double bass player, and meaning the upright bass. He doesn't play two basses at once. Um, and then Gabby Vanek, who plays bassoon. And Gabby is also a black and death metal fanatic, um, which is really cool to meet someone who loves death metal and plays bassoon. And so, anyway, this is their um, split, Will Yeager and Gabby Vanek. So it starts with Will's piece. It's about 15 minutes long. I I personally didn't hear any effects uh, on this. I think it was just done with the double bass. And let me preface this by saying this is some classic avant-garde noise. Like, not noise in the sense of, like, you know, white noise and things like that, but it is avant-garde playing there. You're not going to find a melody. You're probably not going to find much of a rhythm. And that's not the goal. The goal is to explore the sounds. And so with that being said, I just kind of wanted to preface this whole thing with that, that I'm going to be using terms that if you're some kind of person who hates the avant-garde, you're going to just be like, Oh, that's a bunch of nonsense that he's saying, but that's okay. I don't really, it's fine. <laughs> it's like some people like that stuff and some people don't. Um, but anyway, anyway, Will's piece is the first one. I thought it was really cool. I love the double bass. I pretend to play the upright bass. Um, and so it's always cool to hear it. And it's definitely cool to hear it as a soloed instrument. And it's especially cool to hear it played in a very non-conventional way. Um, Will's bowing uh, is just consistently gurgling. It's just this, um, you hear the bow on the string and it, it's great. Um, it causes a lot of screeching, uh, a lot of um, 
harmonics. Uh, he does a lot of uh, manipulation of the bass itself. At times, it, it sounds like breathing, and that's like him just rubbing the bass itself. Um, but it never goes like full unlistenable noise, as far as I'm concerned. You always know you're listening to a bass being played. Um, I would say, in a sense, it zones you out because there's just this incessant scrape and catch of the bow just all the time. Um, And then there's sort of like incidental rhythmic elements when he's hitting the bass or when you hit a string on an upright bass, it usually rattles. And that rattling out is just a really cool sound. It adds a lot of movement to this piece. And like I said, I just love hearing the physical sound of the bass being manipulated and this feels like it was recorded inside the bass. You literally feel like you're inside the bass. So that's Will's piece. It's the first one of three. Gabby does the next two, and they're a bit shorter. I think about three and a half minutes for the first one, six minutes for the second one. Um, but Gabby's pieces definitely transcend kind of the sum of the parts. You know, the sum of the parts is a bassoon and effects pedals. That's what we have here, you know? And through this though, it she can seemingly conjure any mood and any sound she wants. And I think that's probably kind of a perfection element of maybe going to music school that like you really figure out how to make the sounds. I don't feel like that any moment if you go to a lot of noise shows, sometimes people are going along and then something makes a really loud sound or they have lost control of their equipment and you know that and it takes you out of the mood and, you know, it kind of makes you think, well, they should have been more familiar with their gear or whatever. I never get that sense with Gabby. I I feel like she's in complete control every second of what's happening. Um, But yeah, like I said, she can seemingly conjure just about any mood and sound it goes from i mean just almost white noise levels of static and fuzz and noise to like choral parts like i would swear there's voices at points to almost like um penderecki or Leggetti horror strings and scrape sounds and things like that that to know that it's just coming out of a bassoon is mind-boggling um and I also think that Gabby's metal sensibilities come through in this too. Like she's not afraid to let it get distorted and low and heavy. And it it also just has a dark edge to it. And it's like, I can't believe I'm listening to ambient metal created on a bassoon. And so I think this tape is super cool. Um, like I said, if, if this kind of music isn't your thing, if all the stuff I just said made you go, Oh my God, no way. Then don't check it out. But (laughs) if all the things I just said made you go, huh, that sounds really interesting. I think, I think this is a great place to start with these, um, Iowa city musicians that are really cool. So what'd you think, Dan? Yeah, I thought this was really, really interesting stuff. I mean, there's not really a lot that I can add to it. Um, as I'm kind of unfamiliar with this kind of uh, genre or, or avant-garde mm-hmm. level of of sound, 
but so I have pretty much nothing to compare mm-hmm. it to except maybe like uh, kind of reminds me of some of the Zodic mm-hmm. stuff that I've heard. Like you remember Ken Butler, the guy that made his own instruments. Yes. Yep. Um, some of it reminded me of, of some of mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, Will's side. I mean, yeah, definitely. Like I, I would have to say it had some really just heavy bassy sounds. Um, and, uh, it just, there's some, there's some change going mm-hmm. on in there, but you know, for about 15 minutes, that's kind of what, kind of what you mm-hmm. get. Um, and, but it's also like oddly kind of relaxing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like the fact that you described it as like something you can kind of zone mm-hmm. out to. Um, yeah, it's, it's really ambient and, um, uh, just, a lot of interesting sounds coming out of just a bassoon uh, or a, excuse me, not a bassoon, a mm-hmm. double bass. Um, Gabby's side, on the other hand, uh, it starts to get really um, cinematic mm-hmm. sounding to me. Uh, there's a lot of, yeah, like electronic kind of sounds going on. It sounds like a combination of science and hor- science fiction mm-hmm. and horror, um, some droney soundscapes. The fact that she's a metalhead. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes a lot of sense because I think only a metalhead who plays this kind of stuff would make, make it this way. Um, maybe not. I don't, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm not necessarily educated on the sort of ambient soundscape avant-garde. I don't really know how you would classify this. Um, but yeah, a lot of really cool soundscapes, um, and it's just, um, yeah, it, it made me think of, um, I definitely hear the white noise element a little bit, but I definitely think there's a lot, a lot more going on. And, uh, it was a very interesting mm-hmm. listen, like all the way through, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, I cool. enjoyed it. Yeah. I would love to hear, um, Gabby and Brian Barr get together. I think. Oh, that <laughs> would be sick. That right? would be insane. <laughs> Or just just hearing Gabby play with any metal band would be amazing. Sure, yeah, like, like even just the drummer you, uh, would be pretty sick. Like, uh, yeah, just about anyone. What were you gonna say though? Oh, I was just gonna say. I mean, I could almost imagine some of these mm-hmm. sounds like going over, like a you know, like a sludge mm-hmm. riff or something. You know, like a lot of really cool stuff going on. Yeah, here and for it's sure. cool that you can I, hear um, the bassoon through all of that too. Like there's a lot Absolutely. of noise and then all of a sudden you hear and you're like, Oh, that's the sound of a bassoon. Yeah. Like unmistakably. Now, so did you say, or was that I, am I mistaken that she makes her own bassoon or something? No. Or was I? Okay. All right. I must've heard. Cause when you, when you texted me about it, I thought that I heard oh. something about that or saw something about that. Maybe I'm no. I I must have been dreaming. No, I would I would assume that her bassoon is. She probably had to take out a car size loan to get it. <laughs> that's a, that's my understanding I, yeah, of no, uh, I, the mu- music uh, school people. Is like, they tell me the price I of their instruments, is, and I'm like, are you serious? Like, my most expensive it, guitar was, ever was five hundred dollars, and always will be. Like I, and that to yeah. me is still insane. I'm like, are you? You don't need that. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Same here. Same here. Um, 
she's gonna listen to this and she's gonna be like really dude you you think that i made this like this this wasn't enough for you man i don't think that'll <laughs> you know happen, what i mean but- um, no, I don't think so either. Yeah. But it's like I don't know why I thought that. I don't know why I, I had that. Maybe I I might have thought. said something and my wording was strange or something. But yeah, yeah it, no, it she be, is but, a, you know a my mind is strange too. Like big time. Like she gets sure. all the cool pedals like from overseas, custom oh, you built can, and all that. You can you can yeah. tell. Yeah, I that's why I mentioned Brian Barr. Like. They should have their own podcast where they talk about pedals. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, I would listen to absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. Actually, I remember having a discussion with Brian, who, which actually we're going to have a discussion with Brian in oh, a couple of weeks. Oh, wow. Good segue. So <laughs> stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. But I had a conversation with him like seven years ago mm. or something like that. And he said stuff about pedals that i owned that i didn't even know like i don't know what so wait should i get rid of it is that what you're saying (laughs) well no he was like he was like talking about like bypass and all this stuff and like you know like stuff that as a guitar player i should have known this you know like all along but it's like i didn't and because i was having problems with my pedal board Mm. and the the arrangement of my pedals and then he told me, oh, no, you should have like, you know, your distortions first and then your, you know, yeah. or whatever. I didn't realize that there was like an arrangement yeah. that you should have your. I mean, there's in. a standard, but also you can also break that if you want to mess with the sounds like it's not hard and right. fast rules, you know. So. No, no, no. Yeah. But like uh, and then he would start talking about all these different tunings mm. on his guitar and i was just like man that's freaking i mean yeah no brian is a very yeah. knowledgeable dude for yeah i'm sure. stoked to talk to him and that'll be awesome it, it'll be awesome and it sounds like gabby's very knowledgeable yeah, as well maybe i'll try so, to see if she wants to talk to us too you know now that we've said do. it on the air like come on that's some serious pressure yeah <laughs> if she doesn't come on everyone's gonna know like oh she she must brian them. gabby <laughs> brian gabby make it happen <laughs> yeah but no i i uh will and gabby have done a couple things together and i think it's all great they had one called ghost actions a tape that um is also super good so i don't think any of that's on spotify so go to Bandcamp to find that yeah cool cool all right so um those of you who are not familiar already we have instagram and we have Facebook, official Accelerative mm-hmm. Thrust sites. Mm-hmm. You can interact with us. Send us a message. Let us know how yeah. we're doing. Yeah. Let us know if we're good or and for then, shit. <laughs> and there might be an in-between, and but yeah, we're not we're not interested. <laughs> the choices are yeah. good or shit. Like, that's, that's it. Exactly. But, but yeah, um, I'm going to put up some. I'll do it on Thursday, today. <laughs> Just joking. Um, but it will be Thursday when you all hear this. I'm going to put up some questions yes. on our Instagram story, asking your opinion on a few things. And so keep go after you listen to this, go to our Instagram and vote on some things because it'll help us make, I don't know, make it a show that you like 
even more or at all. <laughs> I don't know why you're listening if you hate it, but or maybe, maybe you hate. Maybe listen. you'll start I mean, like it's it. like you just yeah. rage out, fucking Eric and Dan. You know, like at the uh, <laughs> at the very least, maybe you'll start. Liking yeah, it. maybe you're just holding on for something to click. Like someone told me this is good, and I don't get it. Like it's like me with the Saw movies. You know, it's like I don't. Someday I'm gonna like them, but as it stands, they stink. Dude, I am so glad you said that because I 100% agree Ooh. with you. Yeah, tell us about how we're wrong about Saw. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We'll do an entire episode about why we hate Saw. <laughs> I I could. Let's do a half and half episode, I, Iron Maiden and Saw. Well, here's the thing. I You could do an entire episode and then I would just leave you to just take the... Because I, I can just tell you and like, 20 seconds oh me too saw. but then like i don't think i could go much further than that because i feel like i'm not as much mm. of a horror movie official i'll just go because it only take like 20 seconds for me too uh it's dumb <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so <laughs> and also, there you go <laughs> uh i don't personally like torture porn horror movies anyway oh dude i am and so glad you're saying also this. The acting is atrocious, like laughably bad. And I know that dude was in Princess Bride or whatever, and he was great. But man, when he is sawing off his foot, spoiler alert, uh, it's the worst acting I think I've ever seen on film. And I watch a lot of trauma movies, you know? So <laughs> yeah, but trauma, trauma's not, trauma's meant right. to be yeah, like, you're right. Fun. But, um, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, Saul, it's I bad. am so glad <laughs> You have no idea how glad I am for you to just say that you don't like torture porn movies. Yeah. I feel the same. Yeah. Fucking they just never did it. For always me. have. You know, it was like, yeah, I, I liked gore here. when it was over the top. And most importantly, when it was practical effects, I can't stand. Not that Saul uses CGI for their uh, gore, but I just I I liked it when it was over the top. I didn't want to think about people actually being in pain. That's like terrible. Yeah, that's 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 sort of the thing is like a lot of these like torture porn movies, they just get too close to, for comfort yeah. to like possible reality. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, I, I like like the Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. school of like horror movies or like or like the um, I don't know, like the Alice Cooper, uh, you know, uh the Alice Cooper starring in a yeah. John Carpenter movie. Yeah. I mostly like, like body melt movies and, um, yeah. and <laughs> like, puppet. So horror. that's so puppet you... horror is my absolute favorite genre. Yeah, that I pup, don't even know. Puppet horror is good. I think it might, but um, it's Dude. good. It's good stuff. Do you realize that you just possibly named a new band puppet <laughs> horror? <laughs> like, I mean, I, I don't know how, there's not at least one person that's going to listen to this and be like, I'm now going to start a band called well, Puppet Horror. Awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, thanks there. so much. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to tell you in 20 seconds or less why I don't. Okay. Like song, yeah. Okay. It's stupid. <laughs> that, yeah. that is all. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's, so if you guys want to hear uh, bonus content, 
um maybe we'll do a saw bonus episode if you guys yeah. all you gotta do is look at our instagrams yeah. and our stories on thursday yeah. when this will actually be airing and those instagrams are dan <laughs> underscore the underscore ruler and i always forget yours it's, what's yours Eric? uh eerie underscore eric underscore Whitaker now. Okay. Yeah. Eerie underscore underscore and bonus content. I'll Whitaker. explain how saw isn't a puppet horror. So get ready for that. <laughs> and uh, if you guys actually like form a band called puppet horror, let us know. Cause cause we'll review your we record. We need to go see that shit. <laughs> we'll yeah. We'll review your rec. We want to, we, I personally want to review the first puppet horror yeah. record when it comes out. So, and if there's already please, a band out there, then maybe um, you can start a genre called puppet horror. And I don't know, maybe it'll have Muppet <laughs> vocals. I maybe Muppets will perform. I don't know. It's up to you, the listener, to decide. <laughs> Isn't there already like a Muppet core band or hmm. something? There used to be that robot band. That, yeah, captured yeah, by robots. Kinda, well, those are animatronics. Those are that's different, I guess. Speaking of which, the <laughs> the the detail that that dude. I remember watching him at yeah. Gabe's, and the detail and the amount of time it must have taken to set up, and he was by himself. Yeah, yeah it, it's Crazy. amazing stuff. It really yeah. is. Um, Man, listen to all this bonus content you guys got just by. <laughs> by listening can you imagine I mean, what you would get if well, there was real bonus content <laughs> well hell we'll even put bonus content on the yeah, actual yeah. episode this is all bonus because <laughs> we, yeah. we we do, do that every episode anyway don't you guys like yeah. it yeah <laughs> hey uh also maybe wish us a 25th episode anniversary yeah uh a happy yeah. one. send cake if you'd like Send, yeah, oh, dude. Do you think that they'll ever come out with being able to download food? <laughs> I I don't know. You, you know, like maybe we have three D printers, right? I can't I can't imagine yeah, you couldn't that's... just make some sort of corn based um, sludge that could be infused with different flavors <laughs> and textures, and you could just make like a cheeseburger, you know. Yeah, that the thing is, if that maybe that would be the secret to like healthy mm. dieting, you know, like healthy eating. Like you could just make what you want, but it would yeah, just I be want made waffles out of corn made out of sludge. Yeah, corn so, sludge, yeah, green waffles. pepper made out of corn sludge. Ooh. Yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> I'm not sure how I would be into that, but we'll find I out well, in the in know. the future. Yeah. In the year 2000. We're coming up on it. (laughs) The millennium. Man, it's going to be weird. Get all your panic buying done. (laughs) Do you remember like 99 to 2000? Do you remember that? It's crazy. I I do remember Y2K. And uh, Y two K, and then a, and then some sort of goddamn bat actually brought the world to its knees. Twenty years later, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah isn't like that it. nuts? Um, 
<laughs> I think my most vivid memory, though, of Y2K was that literally, like, I think a month mm-hmm. before it was the f- premiere of Future oh, right. on TV. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I remember, like, how coincidental it seemed. Yeah. Oh, man, I love Futurama. Anyway, we should end this episode. We it, can't go on a Futurama rant. Nah, we... Bonus. Bonus content, people. Bonus. <laughs> you know bonus, we have to create this bonus, bonus content if we keep teasing we, it. We really do. Actually, that, that would be a really great question to ask these. Are you interested in bonus content? Yeah. Do you guys want, like, us to do, like, some sort of Patreon yeah. where, you know, or something like that? We could do some stuff. Yeah. We could... And I don't know. Yeah, yeah we could. All we right. can talk, ladies some shit. and gentlemen. We'll do it. <laughs> talk that shit. <laughs> talk that All shit. All right, y'all. Well, it was nice. It was nice yeah. seeing you. <laughs> Yeehaw! Have a good day, wow. partner. Bye. <laughs> All right. <laughs>